I want to thank you guys so much. You know, when I became pastor of the church, I told myself that the last thing I would be, so many, so many pastors um, who did so much as if they had an S on their chest, right? And I said I would not be the kind of pastor that had an S on my chest and be, try to be a superhuman being. And then I found myself trying to do some things. That was, the little S was growing. And I got a call from the council that said, no, you can, you can pause. And a, call, and a text message from friends that said, take a pause. As many of you are dealing with loss in your family, so am I. And you get surprised by the way it hits you. My sniffle was because of the tears. I'm so grateful to be in a church like this that loves and gives comfort to one another and doesn't have that expectation of me. We can all be humans together. And when the call went out from Jim to ask who would help me today, uh, he said he just got guesses. And so today we're going to have testimonies of how people have experienced joy um, in their lives, in their, in their, well, when you say lives, it covers it all. But if, <laughs> And, um, but to share with us in this season. Um, and so um, I'm gonna bring up four people today and they're gonna share with us. So first we have Chris Henderson, who's gonna come and share with us. Would you make her feel very welcome, please? Would you make them feel very welcome, please? Hi. Uh, yeah. Hi, good morning. It is still morning, even though it feels very late. Uh, I'm here to talk about joy. Uh, but in order to do that in a way that makes sense, I'm going to start by talking about the Enneagram. How many people here have heard of the Enneagram? Okay, not bad, not bad. Um, so if you haven't heard about it, the Enneagram is an ancient tool that describes personality and how different personality types behave in stress and when they're well. Uh, it's a description of the ways we get lost and how we can come home to our true self. There are nine main types and there are wings. It's like a whole thing. Um, if you're at all interested in what your type is, you can look up tests online. Um, if, you, if you are a two like me, uh, I apologize in advance, but you don't have to out yourself as a two. But, um, so earlier this year, I discovered that I am a two, specifically a two wing one, or as it's known, uh, the servant. So, um, you know, not, not super encouraging. Um, <laughs> the Enneagram tries to move us away from the lies we tell ourselves about who we are, that we are what we do, we are what we have, we are what people say or think about us. So as a two, I need to be needed. And so I tell myself that people will love me when I do things for them. I strive for lavish love through self-sacrifice. Which brings me to my favorite Star Wars movie, by far, which is Rogue One. If, if you have not seen this film, my apologies, there will also be spoilers. Um, for both Rogue One and A New Hope. Uh, so in universe, Rogue One takes place before A New Hope, which is episode four or the first Star Wars movie, because it, you know, it's like, I'm not gonna go into that because, you know, either you know and you are into Star Wars and, and, or you aren't and you're like, just move on. Um, 
So the main reasons that I love Rogue One are that, one, it closes a huge plot hole in A New Hope, which is that like the Death Star can be destroyed by being hit like in one place. It's like, what kind of design is that? Um, and then two, there's like a huge self-sacrifice in a Rogue One. Um, it tells the story of a scientist who was captured and forced to design the Death Star. And so he creates this like huge and hidden flaw, and then his daughter and a bunch of regular people go on a suicide mission to get the plans and then get them to the rebels. So it's like, it's, it's like, it's like my movie. By far my favorite Star Wars movie. So you might be wondering what this has to do with joy. <laughs> I can't help but think about sorrow and despair when I think about joy and pleasure. I think part of this is because I'm a two and I really do get joy out of helping people and giving to people, sometimes to the point of self-sacrifice. I also think that so many of the big joyful moments in my life graduation from high school, college, law school, my wedding, all of those things involved so much work. They were really hard. There was joy in those moments, but it was also fleeting. I think that's part of the sweetness of joy. It comes and goes. And without sorrow and despair, without hard moments, can we really appreciate the joyful ones? So I'm gonna read some verses, one of which I did not put in this outline, so I'm gonna read, on, read that off of my phone in case you're wondering what I'm doing up here. Uh, Psalm 126, four, four through six. Restore our captives, O Lord, as the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed to sow, shall come home again with rejoicing, bringing his grain sheaves with him. And then Ezra 3, 10 through 13. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their apparel stood with the trumpets, stood with trumpets, and from the Levites, the sons of Asaph, stood with cymbals to praise the Lord, following the example of David, king of Israel. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. And the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now many of the older Levitical priests and chiefs of the, of the father's households who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice as the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes, though many others shouted exuberantly for joy. As a result, the people could not distinguish the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people, since the people had raised such a loud noise that could be heard from afar off. So another interesting thing about joy is how bad we are at predicting what will bring us joy. Have you ever worked really hard to achieve something or asked for a very specific present and gotten it and then been disappointed? A few years ago, I started getting into prepping, like doomsday prepping. <laughs> I made lists of things that I needed and one of those things I needed desperately was a dehydrator that my wonderful best friend Nikki got for me for my birthday that year. And I was thinking I could make food, dehydrate it, and then in an emergency situation, I could rehydrate it and eat it. I had like all of these plans. I thought I was gonna be using this dehydrator constantly. And I have not used it a single time. <laughs> we have no idea what will make us joyful in the future. At best, we can be joyful in this moment. Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, and, commit, and I commend joy, for a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat and drink and be joyful, 
for this will go with him in his labor all the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Jesuit priest David Steindl Rast says, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. If we think we will be joyful when we have something, when we achieve something, when we are a particular thing, we will keep chasing joy. But when we're grateful where we are, as we are, we can practice joy. So the thing I'm asking all of you to do right now is to make a gratitude list. Uh, just write down three things that you're grateful for of any size and scope. And that's it for me, and I'm gonna sit back down. Thank you. It's going to go back and get them. All right. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it's gratitude that makes us joyful. You got to remember. You got to hold on to that. Amen. Amen. Next, we're going to have Lauren come and share about joy. Well, hi, everybody. I have my notes on my phone, so I'm not texting or playing games up here while I'm doing this. <laughs> so um, I'm Lauren Howard. For those who don't know me, um, I'm married to Joy. Um, and uh, we've been married since 04. We came to Philly in 06, and that's when we joined this church. So we've known, a, we've known some of you for a really, really long time. Um, but uh, the story that I want to share today is is focused how I'm, on a, how I'm currently celebrating joy during the Advent when I don't actually feel joyful at all. So let me give you a little bit of background. This has just been a really hard season for me and for us. Um, my wife, Joy, has been through a lot of um, really difficult health problems, and um, it's been really hard to sort of watch her go through that. So. Um, some of you probably know this story, but for those who don't, um, she's been, um, she was diagnosed with fibroids, but um, if you're not sure what a fibroid is, it's, it's like, um, I'm a biologist, I can talk about this, right? Um, so um, fibroids are like the, the smooth muscles that line your uterus, if you're a woman, and they, um, they grow out of control, and then they, they bleed and they hurt like crazy all the time, and um, she's been dealing with this for um, a really, really long time, but in particular since February of last year, so things have been really hard. Um, so we went to the doctor and um, the doctor thought we could get Joy a surgery that would take the fibroids out. She went and she had that surgery and they were too big and too many, couldn't do it. So that surgery was unsuccessful. So the next step was a hysterectomy. Um, and so we went back in for another surgery and um, that seemed to, to work really, really well uh, for a couple of days. And then Joy um, developed a really bad infection at the site of the surgery. So then she had um, like a life-threatening condition with an abscess where um, if that went untreated, she could, she could die. So that was, that was really, really scary. Um, then she was you know, put on tons of antibiotics. And um, the antibiotics thankfully killed the infection but they massacred every single bacterial cell in her body, including the ones you're supposed to have in your digestive system. So she's been dealing with, um, ever since then, 
horrible pain in her gut that is not the infection anymore, but just um, really, really hard um, to deal with on a daily basis. Um, so because of the aftermath of the infection and the antibiotics, she's still in pain even now, but at least it's getting a little bit better every day. Um, and so, like I said, this has just been a really, really hard season and not one where I've, where I've been really thinking about joy much um, outside of the person. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so uh, when, when I was asked to do this, I went back and I thought, okay, what is my understanding of what joy is? And the first scripture that came to mind was the one where the Apostle Paul was um, listing uh, all the fruits of the Spirit. And this actually comes from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Um, and Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so, I don't know, I've been a, a Christian since maybe maybe when I was about 26. And so I remember reading this. I remember we had this particular um, scripture in our wedding. Um, I sort of thought of it as a prescription for like how a Christian should live um, and the things that they should feel. Um, but I realize now, um, going through some really hard times, that it's, it's not necessarily a list of how you should feel because um, you can't come up with these things on your own. Um, so... I think I'm learning that my view of joy as a fruit of the spirit was actually quite limited. Uh, it's much more than a feeling of happiness and contentedness. Um, and so then, um, when I was asked you know, to think about this a little bit more, I thought, okay, um, I clearly don't understand this the way that I need to, so I went back and I thought, okay, let me search through the Bible and figure out where Jesus talks about joy, because if anybody's got it, um, I think I'm going to listen to him. Um, Paul sometimes gets things a little wrong. Um, <laughs> he had great intentions. Um, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but Jesus says at one point, um, and this is actually uh, in the context of, you know, after washing his disciples' feet and having the Last Supper, and um, he, he's uh, trying to prepare them for life after he's crucified. Uh, but Jesus says in John 15, 9 through 13, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And here's where the, the kicker is. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So that's exactly how I've experienced joy this season. Um, the joy of the spirit of a living, loving God has shown up in my life in the food people have you know, brought us from church. Um, the soups, the lasagnas, the breads, the casseroles, and the curries that have just shown up at our house. I mean, they haven't all been just for our family. Like, people have shown up with, like, soups for me to take to work. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Um, <laughs> in the midst of really hard stuff, um, I wasn't really, you know, making myself lunches all that well um, to take. And that's kept me going. Um, so... Um, 
many of you know that my wife, Joy, loves Jan Richardson poems, and she actually used one last night um, in the service. But Jan Richardson says in one of her poems that joy from God finds us when we are completely unprepared, and it comes into our hearts anyways and makes itself at home. And this has been my experience of joy of God this season. It showed up when I was completely unprepared, and it brought me food. It connected me to friends who care deeply when we suffer. The joy of the Spirit through friends' actions has kept me from losing hope, and it has caught me when I slip into bitterness, because that's really easy to do after so long and so many things that we've tried that haven't worked. Except it worked now, so we're good, right? <laughs> um, yes. Joy of the Spirit is dozens and dozens of text messages sent to us on the days and nights in the hospital. Uh, the Joy of the Spirit showed up with friends that came to the hospital to pray over Joy and to anoint her with oil or to sit with me as I waited during surgeries. Joy of the Spirit of God has been these very concrete, very practical gifts and actions that have reminded me that I am not alone and we are not alone, that there's reason to lift up my head and be joyful. So the joy of the Spirit, as I understand it now, isn't a feeling. It actually works through the functioning community of Christ, loving and serving each other, as Christ loved us and served us, as he said in that passage in John. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, next... Hmm. Uh, next, we have Justin who will come up. Good morning, everybody. I can speak extemporaneously about computer jargon, but when it comes to thoughts and feelings, I have to use my notes. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with, with my verse. Um, this is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, in Paul's writing, and says in verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. So I was asked to talk for a few minutes today on the topic of, topic of joy, and I thought for a bit about what I should share. Um, like Lauren, um, I also have a family member that's aptly named Joy, um, although it's my mom and not everyone knows my mom, so the joke worked better you know, with you. So I appreciate that you went first. Um, um, also, like Lauren, um, I have a wife who's been through a lot of physical pain this fall, um, a, a season full of pain, um, slow recovery, and so my mind quickly went to the idea of finding you know, joy in, in, in this sort of season. Um, and like Lauren, <laughs> this church has been absolutely amazing, and, and we've seen such an outpouring of love um, through it all. Emily has shown such resilience and strength, and through tears and frustration, um, we've seen meals and the manifest, manifestation of love and support, um, not just from this church, but from our neighbors, um, from our school parents, and a special shout out to those that are in the Spaghetti Friday group of friends. So. So I asked Emily, I said, what, what should I talk about? You know, is this, and is this talk getting too meta? Um, she said to choose joy even in times of hardship. And I imagine she was reflecting on her own journey this fall. Um, and, and I thought for a moment, I kind of went, huh, 
you know, it's interesting that you say to choose joy, because growing up, my, my church experience, I've always thought of joy um, as like an involuntary thing. You know, it's as one of the fruits of the Spirit, um, it's this internal thing that changes who you are and your automatic response um, to situations in life um, as, your, as your gut reaction. And, and so while I was sitting there and we were conversing, I, I thought for a moment, I said, well, maybe I can use this conversation, this opportunity to, you know, to explore um, the situation. And I love Emily's response. I, I think it's very preacher-friendly, and this idea of, of being able to, you know, it's something that we can choose, and when you're in this moment where life isn't going your way, um, you know, maybe sometime during this week when something's amiss and you're about to get angry or frustrated, you know, I can think, maybe I can hope that you would, in that moment, think about what I'm saying here today or what Emily has conveyed, you know, um, and that you would be able to choose joy in that situation. Last week, we had that, those, those mini meditations, you know, looking at that um, exercise of peace. And um, this idea of choosing joy is a way not to not let life's obstacles, you know, overwhelm us. Um, and looking back at this fall, there certainly were moments, um, those days between surgeries, uh, when we were waiting for her body to, to recover, and then the months, you know, after surgery, uh, waiting for her body to heal, dealing with the wheelchair and all of that, you know, where she chose joy. Um, and she didn't want to be stuck in the mire, and, and so she chose joy. And then I thought about my gut reaction, you know, that this, it's the idea of this involuntary reaction, and the hope is that through the ongoing transformation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this center set movement um, of drawing closer to God, and being filled with joy is, is a byproduct. You know, it's, it means you're more prone to find delight, not just in the situations where things are going well, um, but in those times of sorrow, discomfort, and pain. And looking at the verse in 1 Thessalonians, I, you know, when Paul is writing to the church, um, I see this strong visual of this sort of transformation. You know, and that's an encouragement to me, that this group of young believers under hardship and striving to be like Christ in turn become examples through this joy from the Holy Spirit. Um, I love that joy can be the cornerstone of persuasion and an example. And how great that a side effect of drawing closer to God can be contentment. And that contentment can in turn be evidence to others of how awesome God can be. There were times this fall where I'm not going to say that I found joy in Emily's surgery and recovery, um, but joy found me. And so as an example, having my brother-in-law fly all the way across the country to come live with us for a few months. That wasn't, you know, me choosing joy. I was joyful of a sacrifice. Of a sacrifice. Um, I was joyful that we got to spend meaningful time together. I was joyful that life, while busier than ever, um, was also at the same time, in a paradoxical sort of way, a chance for us to slow down and really connect in a way that a Thanksgiving or a Christmas long weekend, you know, is never going to provide. Um, so for me, joy, joy found me in those times, even though I wasn't looking or choosing it. And in the end, I guess, I think we're both right. Um, in those moments where you get bogged down and you feel that opportunity of choice presented uh, in your head, you know, uh, do like Emily says and choose joy. Um, and in those same types of situations, sometimes you don't need to because joy can choose you. Um, and I imagine that joy being one of the fruits of the Spirit, I think all of them are so much bigger than what I'm able to put into words. Um, and so this is just my best, my best attempt. best attempt is good enough. Amen. 
And then, and lastly, we have Chris that's going to come forth and uh, close us out. Come forth. Like, see, this is a Jesus moment. <laughs> I am also not playing games with Patsy, so <laughs> not very good at that anyway, so. <clears throat> We were having a discussion in the office the other day, and we were talking about um, dial phones and how half the people in my office don't know what those are. Anyway, um, so like many of us, I had a really difficult fall season. Um, mine was a little more personal. Um, but Christmas has always been my favorite holiday. Uh, I love the decorations. I love the music. I love getting together with family. Um, my dad was a beautiful Italian tenor, and so I grew up with music in my home. Um, when I hear someone sing the Ave Maria, I don't hear the singer, I hear my father. Um, and Christmas was a little bit more special for our family in 1953 because my dad had to leave the hospital quickly to get to sing Christmas 7 a.m. Mass because I had been born at 5 a.m. So every family Christmas, I had a party, right? People always ask me, isn't it terrible being born on Christmas? And I'm like, I mean, it worked for me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, maybe that's why it's my favorite holiday, but I don't really know a difference. But there was always a party. But even as a small child, my earliest memories are of being in these parties with, I'm from very large families, seven aunts and uncles on both sides of my family. I always felt a little lost and I felt like I was invisible. Um, I later found out that I was told that I have something called bipolar spectrum disorder. Spectrum to me is colorful, so I don't know if that means it's colorful. But I do spend about half my life feeling depressed, part of my life feeling and occasionally I am exuberant. So that's, that's the span in which I live. Exacerbating that this fall was I, in September, uh, developed vertigo, which means like when I would get up, I would just fall over. Um, it was hard for me to walk because I just, my body just kept wanting to fall over. So I had that for two weeks. And then I got an exacerbation of my chronic asthma. Um, and when I get an asthma exacerbation, it's four to six weeks before I'm really back to normal activity. And I was so bummed out because I had just met Angel. I really wanted to be here to support her. And I would wake up on Sunday mornings and do my breathing treatment, and fall asleep on the sofa. So that's where I was. Um, and as I was thinking about the coming Christmas season, I was like, I don't want to be bummed for Christmas. Like, Christmas is the happiest time of the year often for me. What can I do? So the Lord really nudged me to start an Advent um, plan, a Bible reading plan for Advent to really get some discipline in my life and to really move forward and sort of re-energize the scripture. And as the Holy Spirit often does, God showed up in a really pretty amazing way for me. As I started to read these familiar scriptures that I have been reading for years, and I, when I say years, I mean many years. I'm going to be 66 next week, this week. <laughs> um, and as I just started to read those very traditional words, I was really drawn into worship. And a couple of things really struck me. 
Isaiah 9, 2, Isaiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. And then further down, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But then we look around and think, gosh, there isn't really much peace. There's a lot of craziness in the world. But first, or John chapter 1 says, um, yep. John chapter 1 says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I just never really read those words that, that it stuck in here. And really the song of Advent for me has been that. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The world cannot steal my joy. The world cannot steal my joy because Jesus sealed it. I was also amazed and awestruck at thinking about Jesus. Jesus was part of this triune God. And they had to split apart. And they had to send part of themselves to earth as Jesus. And Jesus became a human. And from what I understand, the human skin is really scratchy. At least that's what they say on The Good Place. <laughs> I'm like wearing the human skin. But I was thinking about that as like, wait a minute, Jesus' nature is part of this triune God, not a human. And yet he willingly became a human for us. That gave me a lot of joy. Even on the bad days, it gave me a lot of joy. The other thing I found really amazing was when the angels announced to the shepherds. Now, if the President of the United States is coming to visit, <clears throat> we usually don't get the shepherds or the street sweepers to go and welcome them, right? We get the leaders, the mayors, the congressmen, the, you know, whatever. I've been watching The Crown, you know, when people showed up to see the queen, you know, or the queen showed up in a country, they didn't usually drag out the shepherds, right? But the angel of the Lord went to the shepherds. So in Luke 2, it tells us that they were out in the, living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were terrified. I would have been terrified. Clearly, this was not the angel in our nativity set, the little blonde guy in the white dress, right? <laughs> this was the angel of God, and these people knew this was something really different. And again, I find that absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, they, and then what he says to them is, um, sorry, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And he wasn't proclaiming the end of the Roman oppression. He wasn't proclaiming they won the lottery. He wasn't proclaiming, you know, all all these great things would happen, he was proclaiming that this little baby was bringing great joy to us. And all of this for me drew me into worship. 
I would get up in the morning and read these and think, I'm so tired. And then I'd start reading this and just be like, whoa, glory, hallelujah. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit leads us in that. So for me, rediscovering my joy in Christmas has been about worship. Worship in song, worship in dancing, worship in art, worship in running like Melissa talked about last week, worship about being out in creation. I mean, when I walk through the city so many times this past couple of weeks, I've just been rejoicing at the diversity and the beauty of the people in our city because that's what the city of God is like, right? It's all of us. So um, I just have some tips on how to enter into worship during this season, some of which have already been mentioned. First of all, ask the Holy Spirit to lead. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us into worship because worship is a relationship with God. I find worship is the, is the portal, the entryway, if you will, into really deep prayer. When I am worshiping God, I begin to remember who he is and or what they are, really, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the God the Father, and what they do for us. And being in that presence really changes my perspective. I hope it will do that for you. Read from the Bible. In the bulletin, I listed some scriptures that I find particularly uh, helpful for worship. I'm sure you'll add to that. Um, but I find scripture sometimes can be a really helpful way to Again, reset the framework and help enter into prayer and to worship. Thanksgiving, as was mentioned, gratitude, very important in leading us into worship. Um, so I would encourage you this season to set aside time to wish it, worship, to read about the Lord's birth, to try to imagine how different, how mind-blowing it really was, how amazing it was that Jesus came to earth. Then worship God for the goodness, the glory, and the majesty of who he is. Come let us adore him. Amen. And so this morning we've learned that gratitude opens the door to the blessing of joy. We found joy in each other, coming and being together and serving, being committed to serve each other in the midst of rough situations. Justin told us that it's a choice. Choose it, to choose joy. And Chris, rediscovering the joy in worship. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Joy in his coming for us. Joy in his coming for him and for them. We met up together and changed everything. I think one of the biggest discoveries I made is that metaphorically, I have a new name and that my name is joy. You are God's joy. And that joy made God press forward, that God refused to lose connection with us, that God wanted it so much 
that God, you know, who created everything had to think of something else fantastic to do and entered creation. And then God had to do something fantastic and say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so that God who entered in communion with the parent, the son, the child decided, I mean the parent, the child, and the spirit decided, I will enter into and be with you forever, forever. The other beautiful thing is that this child who became God-man, man-God, is forever human. He will not lose that connection with you and I. He will never, and he stands interceding, hoping, praying, cheering us on for the joy of seeing you and me fulfill what God called us to be, to be in heavenly, wonderful communion to live out the dreams and the destinies that we have. For the joy set before him, he wanted to give you and me hope. For the joy set before him, he gave you and me peace. For the joy set before him, we experience this love. How amazing, how amazing. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for sharing with us.